What a beautiful sense of God's presence. Just uh, um, picking up on what Heather said about Martin and Jackie. They were really amazing leaders of this church. And uh, Martin, for uh, a number of years, was like someone I could turn to in confidence and ask advice. He was incredibly wise. He had a great sense of humor, um, incredibly wise and discerning and just could say the right words at the right time. And uh, anyone in any kind of leadership knows that to have people like that who just are able to encourage and just pick you up when you feel like just putting everything down is a real gift. And he will be greatly missed, but he's greatly treasured as well. And as Heather said, I think he's got those six strings already playing in glory. Um, So bless him. Well, morning all. Good to see you all. If this is your first time, welcome to our church. We love to worship and we love to listen and hear God's word. And I'm going to be reading from Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. The words are going to go up on the screen. It's part of um, our sermon series, Building Faith, Building Family, Building Community. And we're looking at discipleship this morning. So if you want to follow with me. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, that's Jesus, and they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. I think we all need to say an amen to that. Well, as I said, today we're looking at uh, building a family of disciples. And please note, this is not about, this talk is not about building a family. This is not about increasing size. This is not about increasing our numbers, important as that may be. I want us to look at what it means for us to build a family of disciples, but there's an add-on as well, and what it means for us as well to disciple our families. To build a family of disciples and what it means to disciple our families. The two go together. You know, when we look at the life of Jesus, he was often surrounded by crowds, And we're told a number of times, Matthew 9, Matthew 15, and elsewhere, he was moved for compassion with them. Sorry, he was moved with compassion for them. Jesus loved the crowds that came to him, teaching them, healing them, giving them hope. He even fed them. And the reality is, and especially if we put it in the context of today, but the reality is, he could have very quickly built the largest churches of his day, the largest synagogues of his day, and it would have looked really impressive. 5,000 in one place, 4,000 in another. When we read of what he did in the region of Decapolis, where we're told great multitudes followed him, and so on. But as much as he was moved by large numbers of people who came to him, the heart of Jesus' ministry and mission is discipleship. Noticeably, discipling the few, the 12 disciples, those who traveled with him. 
And I think this is significant for us as we think about building faith, family, community. I think it's significant for us as we think about moving forward with our new mission statement of revealing the kingdom of God and sharing the gospel of Jesus, of releasing the power of God and the gifts of the Spirit and reviving faith, hope, and truth in our community. See, I think too much attention... Actually, I think it's in every denomination. But too much attention is given to size and numbers, numbers of church attendees. And almost success is governed by the size of a church. But actually, the reality is, is too much attention is given in the context of declining numbers and the way that the press love to say numbers are declining and so on. And actually, key pastoral decisions are based around these numbers. But this attention is not what we see in the life and ministry of Jesus, who is the founder of the church and he is the head of the church. Amen. See, his heart was for making disciples. His passion was seeing men, women and children grow up in discipleships. His longing was building families of disciples and encouraging the discipling of families. And he did this with his own family. I haven't got time to explore that. But he invested in his own family, in discipling them, his mother and his brothers and sisters. And he invested three years on earth to making disciples so that they would be ready to make disciples themselves and go and fulfill the commission that we've just read in Matthew 28. So as we look at this, As we start a fresh conversation that's not just for today, but it's for the months and years to come. Let's start at the very beginning, as the song goes, (laughs) and begin with a key question. What actually is a disciple of Christ? What does it mean for us as the family of God to be his disciples? Is a convert to Christianity a disciple of Christ? Yes? Yes? And no. Could a believer in Jesus be considered a disciple of Jesus? Yes. And no. Might someone who attends church regularly be seen as a disciple of Christ? Yes. And no. You see, attendance, belief, and conversion, as important as they are, they're not the key qualities that make up a disciple of Jesus. Excellent starting points, of course. Value in our lives, yes. But if the Lord only asked us to be converted, or asked us to have just faith, or asked us to attend church, number one, church history would look very different, especially when it comes to the powerful moves of God, which were born so much more out of than just church attendance. And number two, and this is just my take on it, I don't think we would ever really understand the cost and the sacrifice that was paid for us by Jesus on the cross and his grace towards us. Why? Because the criteria for being a disciple of Jesus is not so much saying, I will believe or I will attend. And please hear me, we have to make these choices. But moving on from there, it's saying in faith, I will follow Jesus. 
and I will give my all to him. See, when Jesus called his first disciples and he said to them, follow me, they responded to this call by giving up everything. Surrendering their careers, their possessions, even their families to follow. See, this was not a part-time project for them. It wasn't a couple of days a week involvement. And Luke's parallel passage, when he talks about Jesus calling disciples, he even uses the phrase in Luke 11, uh, 5.11, they forsook all and followed him. You see, forsaking all means giving up all for the sake of another. See, actually, when we think about it, anybody can say, I believe, or I'm a believer. I've heard it a number of times. Anyone can turn up to church, sing the songs, look the part. Anyone can even say, I choose Christ. You see, faith in itself does not necessarily cost us anything. See, the cost of faith comes when our faith is tested and we choose to stand on the rock who is Jesus. That's discipleship. The cost of faith comes when our faith is challenged and it might be by a work colleague or a family member or whoever and we choose to live in line with God's word and his truth who is Jesus. The cost of faith comes when our faith is rocked by the storms of life and yet we still press in and stay close to Jesus and to his grace, listening to him, spending time with him, not giving up and walking away. This is following Jesus. This is being his disciple. This is making the choice to learn from him and that literally is what disciple means, someone who learns. And abiding in him, in and through every experience of life, however hard or costly it is to us. Jesus says to us, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father and with his angels and then he will reward each according to his works. So this is discipleship, if you like, in a nutshell. And to do this, What's required is not perfection. It's not elitism. It's not just for a few. It's not even abstention over the course of church history, the way people have just removed themselves from life and society and all of those things. The qualification is simply being willing to learn from Jesus. And you keep learning. The status is simply being willing to stay close to Jesus and keep staying close. And the position is simply being willing to surrender our all for Jesus. And that is a life that we give to him. You see, Jesus knows our pains. He knows our disappointments. He knows our doubts, our failures, our hurts, just as he did with these now 11 disciples. 
and standing on this mountaintop before them as they worship him. We're told as well, some doubt. (laughs) And yet he still goes ahead and commissions them and says, go and make disciples. I, I, I love this. And we just think about it for a moment. They're bowing down in worship before the King of Kings, the one who's been raised from the dead, the one who's there before them. They can see his uh, marks in his hands and his side. You know, this is Jesus who they saw dying on the cross right there before them. They're worshiping him as it's right to do. And you'd expect them to do that. Jesus is the risen Lord. But then we read on, they're still questioning and doubting in their minds. I mean, how we can relate to this, I think. I mean, maybe these doubts were to do with some of the things that Jesus had revealed post-resurrection about for them going into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Maybe more likely these doubts were just them wavering in their own part of this great plan that Jesus has for them and actually whether they're up to the task or not. We don't really know. But we can identify with doubt. You know, I, next door, or uh, well, just on our site, miraculously, we were given you know, this wonderful piece of land for free. Every single penny was paid for, even all the bills and legal fees, everything was paid for. And I still have moments of doubt when I think about the new center and how we're going to raise the money. Just being honest, we all do it. God gives us this amazing gift in our lives and yet we wonder whether he will turn up for the next time or the time after that. Nonetheless, these 11 learners, these followers of Jesus, they're chosen by Jesus to go, not to make converts, not to make church attendees, but disciples. And this is what Jesus calls us and commissions us to do. And my hope and prayer is this will refocus actually how we build faith, family, and community. He's asking those of us who are willing to learn and are willing to follow him no matter what to go and make those who are willing to learn and follow him no matter what. And what do we learn from Jesus' words? Well, I've just picked out five things. There's probably loads of other things. But what we learn is disciples are sent with the highest authority. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me, him, in heaven and on earth. Well, there's kind of nowhere else, really. Go, therefore. You see, it's in his name, in the name of Jesus, that as followers of Jesus, we're called to go. And what does that tell us? Well, I think it tells us many things, but probably the most important thing it tells us is our commission to go is authorized by the highest power. It comes from the top. I mean, anybody who's worked in a large organization will will know. Um, I mean, like when I was... 
teaching, and you know, I taught, there was something like 130, 140 staff. So it was big schools that I taught in. And there was middle management, lower management, middle management, and then there's the top. And when you get an instruction, you know, from lower management, yeah, whatever, you know, middle management, okay, maybe, from the top, it's got to be done. You know, we know that. When it comes from the top, action is expected. We have been given the commission from the top to go. There's nothing lacking in the authority that we've been given. I just allow that to sink in. I laugh in the face of Putin's power. I laugh in the face of Biden's power when it comes to the face of Jesus. Nothing compares to his power. And I think sometimes we just have to turn our thinking upside down and see heaven to earth to understand that this commission has the highest authority. And you think when you look at what the disciples did, they changed the world, didn't they? In a very short space of time, they grasped this authority and they ran with it. So number one, what Jesus teaches us, what we learn from him, is disciples are sent with the highest authority. Number two, disciples make disciples. See, Jesus is speaking to 11 imperfect unprepared, being healed up, disciples. And he says, go and make disciples. And you know, the simple truth is a bit like we can't lead someone to where we've not been. We can't make disciples if we're not willing to be discipled ourselves and to follow Christ as a disciple, as one of his. In other words, we've got to be willing to learn, to stay close to him to forsake all for him. And we see this again in the early church, in in Peter, John, Stephen, Paul, Barnabas, and Philip. And the way that in their imperfect lives as disciples, they changed and transformed the world around them. I love the story in Acts 3 when Peter and John are going to church and they come across this beggar at the gate and he wants something from them and they say, silver and gold, we don't have but what we have, what, are, what is the, they're giving them? They're giving them the heart of a disciple. What we have, our heart to follow Jesus. What we have, the way that we abide in him. What we have, knowing his presence and power in us, we give to you. And it was out of that that this man got up and walked and jumped and celebrated with others the glory of God. Disciples make disciples. Uh, disciples. And the third thing we learn from Jesus is disciples look beyond boundaries. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. In other words, he was speaking to these Jews. And remember, they grew up in racial prejudice and political limitations. Jesus is saying to them, look beyond the boundaries and the situations. There is no limit or restriction or no-go area for you in going and making disciples. And discipling all nations means making disciples of every race, tribe, community, nation, including in Jerusalem, our neighborhood, our community, our area, and then Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So right now at the moment, I think Sanna is still on a boat in the middle of Lake Victoria um, with her team and um, 
heading towards some island. We don't even know the name of it. Apparently there are 400 islands in Lake Victoria. Taking Bibles and taking life jackets. Um, Comforted by both, to be honest. And why is she doing that? To share the good news of Jesus. Can we all do that? Yes and no. If we're called by God, that's the place we should go. But actually there could be a neighbor, a friend, a work colleague that needs just as much a Bible taken to them and a life jacket to save them from situations in life. We've got to look beyond the boundary, remove the veil from our eyes. So often we see people with these veils as if they will never receive, they will never hear. The soil is good. And what we learn from Jesus is saying, have the eyes of heaven to see on earth what he sees in people's lives. Social, political, racial, economic mountains crumble when we go in Jesus' name. Fourth thing, disciples baptize disciples. Jesus says, go and make disciples and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I love water. I don't think actually water is what's referred to here. I think what he's asking us to do as disciples is immersing God, immersing those around us in the love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And how do we do that? Well, we've got to be filled ourselves. We've got to be filled with the Father's love. You know, this is a a journey we're all learning, and I'm learning it. You know, to love people out of the love in my heart, not to hurt people out of the wounds that are still there. Loving with the Father's love. Sharing the grace of Jesus. Being filled with the Holy Spirit so that every encounter people have is Him in us. And the last thing we see um, that Jesus shows us here is disciples model truth. He says teaching to observe you know teaching truth is not about words teaching truth is living truth living truth is allowing every part of our lives to be saturated with the one who is the truth and that is Jesus see this is how Jesus modeled discipleship to those around him every part of his life Those moments in the secret place, the moments in the crowd, when he was in the boat, when he was in the synagogue, wherever he was, he modeled that life. As we're told in John 1, he came full of grace and truth. He lived full of grace and truth. And he modeled grace and truth. And he calls us as his disciples to do the same. See, what we learn from Jesus is that disciples are sent with the highest authority Disciples make disciples. Disciples look beyond boundaries. Disciples baptize disciples. And disciples model truth. And if you want to read examples of this, we just read through Acts of the Apostles because that is discipleship in action. So let me just bring this to land. How do we respond? How do we encourage one another to build up this family to be a family of disciples who disciple our families. Well, as I said at the beginning, I think this is a conversation to be continued. But let me give us three pointers for now. They begin with A. 
So three A's to receive, digest, and reflect on. A number one, accept. Accept the calling on your life as a disciple of Christ. I don't say this lightly. I've met so many Christians who question who they are in Christ. See, discipleship is the Jesus way. And if it's the Jesus way, actually, it's the only way. We're called to be his disciples, not converts, church attendees. And so if you're wondering, am I a disciple of Christ? Well, I guess you can ask yourselves these questions. Are you living a part-time Christian life? Do you involve Jesus in some aspects of it, but not in others? Have you forsaken all to follow him? Or are you still holding on to areas where you don't want to give away control? Are you putting him first? And if you want to know the answers to that, just ask the Holy Spirit and he will show you. He does that job very well. And maybe there are some things we need to change. Choices, decisions, habits. And if there is, confess it. Come before Jesus saying, I'm sorry, repent of it. Saying, Lord, will you help me to follow you? And to forsake all for your sake. And he will. Accept the call in your life as a disciple. Don't settle for anything less. Every single person here in this room listening. He's calling to be a disciple. To learn from him, to stay close to him, to follow him. Accept that calling. Second A. Abide. Abide in God's word. Jesus says in John 8, 31, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples in truth, indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You know, abiding is staying and resting. It's reading the word of God and listening to him speak to us as we read. Hearing his voice spoken in and through us as we look at the scriptures. Making his word home in our hearts. You know, it's so important for discipleship. We really get that habit of reading scripture as a daily thing, something that we can do together and alone. And again, just a gentle challenge. If you're not doing that, can I please encourage you to make it a priority And those of you with children or grandchildren, families, read the Bible together. And if you don't know where to start, start with the Gospels. Come and have a word with me or one of the leaders. But open the book and read it. See, God speaks through his word. He teaches us by his word. And we learn by listening and putting his word in practice. So tell the stories together and talk about how you can apply them. Parents, grandparents, friends, discuss a passage of scripture. I was thinking about this the other day and what it means for you as a family, as an individual, as friends together. 
Set aside time to do this, as you would a doctor's appointment or a work meeting. Put it in your diary. This is my time to read scripture, to read the Bible, to read the word. However you organize your time, open the book. Allow the Holy Spirit to feed you, to water those seeds he sows in your heart so you can bear good fruit. And of course, as a church, we can play our part. And we, we try to do that with our sermon series and the teachings and the life groups and all the other events that uh, put, up, put on. And I just really want to honor you, Alex, recently for doing your men's course. And just the, the way that you, I've heard so many messages about how you've discipled so well you know, the men who've come along. So, so thank you and bless you for that. Absolutely. <laughs> That's all part of discipleship and so many other things that are going on in church life. We can do all of this, but actually it comes down to us making that choice to follow Jesus, to forsake all, to abide in him and his word. So accept the calling, abide in his word. And the last A is activate this life of learning and do it with others. We need one another to encourage one another. We're not meant to do this alone. If you're not in a life group, join one. Speak to Tim, not today because he's on holiday, but uh, another day or uh, myself or John and Deanna um, and just talk about being part of a group so you can be encouraged to walk in faith. All of us have doubts from time to time. All of us are affected by different things that happen in our lives but together we can grow stronger and together we can build a family of disciples that make disciples for the glory of Jesus and actually there is one last A to finish with and it's always Jesus is with us so always stay close to him and stand I just have a sense to encourage us all as we think about the whole area of being a disciple of Christ. And and I guess in this room, there'll be those that say, yeah, absolutely, I'm a disciple of Christ and I've followed him for a long time. And there'll be those in the room, it's, I think I am, and I followed him for some time. And there might be those in the room who are wondering if I am and what that means. And as I was preparing for this, just thinking about myself and my own life and the the giving up all and the surrendering. And I kind of said to Jesus, and it seemed a bit strange, it's like, Jesus, where were we when you came and you called me? Where were we when he came and called me? And I had a picture of him just walking by the side of a, a river and, and just the conversation unfolding. 
And it was beautiful. There was a, it was kind of a moment when just the Holy Spirit reminded that was the calling. And maybe ask the Holy Spirit yourself. Let's just close your eyes for a moment. Either where were we, Jesus, when you called me? Or where are we now when you're calling me? And just get him to show you that picture. Of him calling you to follow him. Because that calling is on each one of our lives. And Jesus is saying to each one of us, follow me, follow him.